0: I'm going to talk to you a little more about some of the things that uh, have been in my heart in reference to uh, Cori, going from Cori into other areas. Incidentally, that that word gainsaying, the gainsaying of Cori, that is mentioned in Jude, In the, uh, of course there's only one chapter to Jude, but is mentioned in Jude. Uh, tenth verse, these speak evil of those things which they know not, these kind of people that he's going to mention. But what they know naturally is brute beasts. I want you to notice that God calls men brute beasts when they're brute beasts. Terrible thing isn't to think that men can be such and yet we wouldn't have to go far. I guess all we have to do is read any, any issue of a newspaper to find brute beasts. Roaming the streets. The unfortunate part is that in this epistle we're told that they'll be in the church also. This is the tragedy. That these men were religious men. He said they speak evil, they're brute beasts, and they corrupt themselves in these things. Woe unto them, for they are like the way like Cain. Uh, and uh, ran greedily after the era of Balaam, and they're like him, who looked for just monetary reward. He was willing to desert God and do anything possible to make a little money. All kinds of things, try to retain his faith, and yet make crooked money on the side. And perished in the gainsaying of Koray. And, uh, the word gainsaying is a, is a very fascinating word because it means a disputing or denying or speaking against or contradicting. But its base root from the Greek is antilogio, which means against the word. Against the word. And so in Kore or Korah's life, as the Old Testament calls him, Korah, He was against the word, and there's good evidence to show that to us. He tried to eliminate the high priesthood by putting it in the charge of man, by man's appointment, you see. This would have eliminated actually Christ. You remember that uh, the high priesthood in the Old Testament is in one family, the family of Aaron. No one else can have the high priesthood because it was God's appointment. And now Korah comes along to take away the high priesthood and to say to Moses, you take too much upon you. What's different? We're all the same in this congregation. That's exactly what he says. All of us are the same. None are different. And you've taken over this whole thing. And Aaron, your brother, is the high priest and you're ruler of the government. You charge of all things in Israel. And you take too much upon you. But he forgot that Aaron was made high priest by God. And he was going to take it and rest it, you see, and have him become high priest and take the place, make it man's appointment. Now, of course, this would very well take us, wouldn't it, to the New Testament in 1 Corinthians. Uh, Because here we would find that this is always... God's appointment. May I say this? God appoints men. No one should chafe at the bit because they do not have certain positions in the church of Jesus Christ. No one should feel resentful because God appoints men into the body of Christ. Much prayer, if I might say, goes in to the appointment of men in the church of Jesus Christ. Everyone has their sphere of work, their sphere of operation. No man should seek this job and that job and that job. If he has one job and he does a great job at it, this is the place God has placed him in. He doesn't have to say, you've taken too much upon you. You're using the leadership which they accused Moses and they accused Aaron. You're setting up all the patterns, and this is wrong. He sets in the body exactly as it pleases him. And in that church which is truly born again, that church that has a witness for the gospel of Jesus Christ, every single believer should be praying, Lord, just pray. Put the men in who can fulfill the jobs needed in this church so that the church runs on a great spiritual level, on a high spiritual level. Lord, if I can do one thing well, would you open my heart to it? So often, you know, I try my best like I'll have, I have a, a whole file of cards with jobs on. It's so difficult sometimes. I don't like to give a man more than one job. Honestly, I don't. I try my best not to. Here and there, it it, it develops that I may ask a few people and I just cannot. Then I'll find that the man who's very busy will take another job. It's sad to say sometimes. But by and large, I try my best. If a man has a job that's taking a whole night out a week and he comes to prayer meeting, I feel this is tremendous. There are other areas of the work where he may want to engage in. For instance, I would have to say of the choir behind me that they volunteer to come and to try out for the choir. Born again, they desire to do it. I don't say to them, well, you have another job. You can't do this. This is volunteer. They wish to sing praises unto the Lord Jesus. This is tremendous. But by and large, we try to make sure that those who are appointed into different places, they only have one thing to do. Sometimes it may develop that they have two things. But one major thing, if you're engaged in one major thing and you're doing a good job for God, oh, how blessed this is. And this is exactly what God is trying to tell us about Korah. Korah sought to set up the standard at a very low level. He says it doesn't matter that you God's placed you there Other things must be established by us. We will do it. And if you turn with me for just a minute to 1 Corinthians 12, I think God puts it wonderfully in the New Testament for us so that we have no doubt how God places men. I think Paul, as he speaks here, it's so blessed beginning at the 12th verse. Notice now he's speaking of the body of Christ. For as the body is one, and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we are all baptized into the one body. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, we have all been made to drink into one Spirit. This is the great Spirit Baptism. By one spirit, we have all, notice it, all been baptized into one body. For the, then notice, for the body is not one member, but many. Now notice, I, the, I think this is marvelous. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body was an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, what? As it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, suppose everybody, his Korah, he's saying, are not we all equal? Are not we all the same? We're all the members of the congregation. You take too much upon you. And he says here, if all the members, notice this, Now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it pleases him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of thee. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Isn't that marvelous? Doesn't God do it wonderfully well? He takes the body... And he makes it, you know, he makes us look silly in a way, doesn't he? He says, can't you see what you're saying? If you're all going to desire to be the same, you're placing yourself in this terrible position where you all will be one. And I want to say that when Christ drew you and I and put us into the body of Christ through faith in his finished work on the cross of Calvary, he put such a variety of members that we could fulfill every job God calls upon us to do. Variety is beauty. Variety is beauty. That's why God has given us a variety of gifts that we may may use them wonderfully. Wouldn't it be preposterous to change or put any member out of its proper place? How terrible. How beautifully we're formed. As 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 I'm home, you know, a grandfather and I and I look at uh, Todd, who's just come into the world, and I, this morning I was looking at his, his little fingers and the nails and every little part, the nose and how beautifully formed, and the eye and the ears, every little part. And I was thinking of this portion. I thought, suppose we took the ear off and put it on the foot. Wouldn't this be a monstrosity? We oh, took the five fingers of the hand and put them on the top of the head. Wouldn't this be a monstrosity? But God hath placed what? The members as it hath pleased Him into the body, and every part in its proper place. And so it is in the true church of Jesus Christ. Where love is manifested amongst the members, there's no craving for position. Your yearning and your desire is, Lord, place me in my place in the body. And if I have great capacity with young people, give me that labor. If I have a great capacity with boys in brigade, give me that labor. I want nothing else. If thou hast blessed me in pioneer girls, oh, Lord, give me that labor. If I can sing, let me sing praises to the Lord in the choir. If I can play the organ, if I can play the piano, let me play it as unto the Lord Jesus. You see what I mean? Every member placed properly into the body of Jesus Christ. You see? Now, Korah would have thrown all this out, you see. He would have thrown the high priesthood out. He would have said it has nothing to do with family relationship. And remember that Jesus Christ, our great high priest, Hebrews tells us, That he is the very son of God. And not only son of God, but the great high priest of our profession. Why? He's of the family of God. How are we going to come into relationship with God so we have communion with God? We must become part of his family. God has no one but his family talking to him. Did you know that? No one but God's family talks to God. He's very fussy about his family relationship. He only invites to his table those who are children. How do you feel about your children? Would they not be the first invited to your table? And so God has invited us Feast with him, he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open the door, I will come in with him and sup with him, and he with me. You see, this is that glorious communion we have, and so he made sure that he established Christ as the high priest. It's a family relationship, it was a family relationship from the beginning. It was Aaron's priesthood, and then that Aaronic priesthood passed away. And Korah, who wanted to be a priest, was never appointed by God. And the world today would seize the priesthood and take it out of the hands of the true church. Look at the false churches around us. Look at what we see in the world today. I just cut this out. Notice what God says. These be sensual. These kind of people, brute beasts. they don't understand. They speak evil of dignities. Yet they're religious men. Cain was not irreligious. He was a religious man. He brought an offering to God. Balaam was a prophet of God, and Korah was head of the 250 men of renown in the congregation. In St. Louis, the bishop of a church I won't mention at this moment made this statement just a few days ago. We now will use hamburgers and soft drinks at Holy Communion. This is one of our largest churches. It has the second largest communion in the United States, if I might put it that way. Over 14 million people. We are determined not to continue doing those things that have no meaning. My beloved, the bread and the cup have great meaning to you and to me. As often as ye do eat this bread, ye do remember the Lord's death till he comes. And as often as you do drink this cup, it is the cup of the New Testament in my blood which is shed for you and for many of the remission of your sins. And this glorious symbol God has left us is to tell us that Christ's body was crucified and his blood flowed for you and for me, that he might cleanse us from sin. For the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. Yet this is what we find in the world today. Imagine, I couldn't believe it. The bishop of the church. How would you like it if you came in here this morning and at the Lord's table you smelled the sizzling hamburgers? Do you know what he's doing? He's violating the whole New Testament. He's violating 1 Corinthians 11. He's violating the portion which says in 1 Corinthians 11, how come some of you come together and eat and you drink and you have revelry and you call it the Lord's Supper? And then he goes on to tell them, this is how you will observe the Lord's Supper. And so he's going back to the revelry. Remember where the Lord says, he says, don't you have houses to eat in? What are you coming here to eat your supper and your dinner at the service of the church? So these are the kind of conditions. And here we are in this this church that we love so much where the gospel of Christ is preached and the power of God unto salvation to every soul that believes. And yet we find in the organized church throughout this world the great body is of this character following men of this libertine spirit. And there has to be a return, beloved, to the things of God. And there has to be, in this church, power and strength, everyone supporting that which we believe is truth in Jesus Christ and standing fast in a world that is fast deteriorating. I want to tell you that it's, this is a rough day we're living I don't think, beloved, honestly, that we have to face the forces of anti-Christianity. That's, that's not my worry, really. Honest, it isn't. I'm not so worried about that. I'm worried about the libertine spirit that's prevalent in the world today. I don't find Christianity so vital and so dynamic that the world has a thing to fear about it. i'm not fearing the forces of anti-christianity i'm fearing the forces within the church to form a world church which will be a monstrosity to god and an abomination to the lord jesus christ and the tendency is more and more in this direction it's not the anti-christian forces that are going to kill us It's the betrayers within the so-called church who seek to drag us down. I don't know how many of you saw the other day, I think it was on today's show, was a fellow by the name of Reverend Alvin Carmines, Associate Minister Judson Memorial Church, Greenwich Village. I don't know how many of you saw him hate to say it, but he's a Baptist preacher. This always kind of crushes me, you know, when I read about him being a Baptist preacher. I might say for him, he does play the piano well. He's composed some music that I guess I just don't understand. But since he's been down there, four years he's been there now, it says here in Newsweek that the ministers have now yanked out the church pews, they've discarded the pulpit, and they put up folding chairs. The members want room for the same kind of liveliness and Sunday service that they find in the theater. Now they dance, and drama are frequently included with the sermon and songs during the Sunday morning worship, and the whole congregation dances, runs around the plays he put on in the church were of such a character that they were considered lewd so a vote went to the congregation this is a large church in greenwich village the vote went to the congregation to decide whether they should in any way censor anything in the church and the vote was no no censorship bring in anything you wish So consequently, they have now had all kind of nude performances indicating the sheer nakedness of man. Well, now you know. (sighs) Isn't it hard to believe Billy Graham is, you know, up there at the garden at 34th Street and a few blocks down, here's a man advocating looseness, lascivity, All kinds of free things. The very things, isn't it amazing, the very things that Billy's preaching against. A few blocks to the south, this man is preaching for. And you have this terrible opposition. If it weren't for Billy Graham's television program, I tell you, it wouldn't have the power that it had. For of the twenty-two odd thousand people who show up, they feel that eighteen thousand are repeaters all the time. In other words, the same people come. So that those that have won have to be that small minority that have come. You see them go up a thousand? They're really not out of twenty two thousand. Eighteen to nineteen thousand are saved. Come to just listen. Imagine if that was not going out to, what, 40 millions? This is where the great power is, you see. And how we should be praising the Lord as that message goes out and souls come to Christ, not just down there at the garden, but that throughout this nation as that broadcast goes out, I don't know how many of you watched it, But, boy, my heart just rejoiced to hear that gospel preached. Not one word minimized. Not holding back one word on the blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, message on the blood thrilling to my heart. To listen to the blood of Christ. Place where it should be as the only grounds for forgiveness of sin. Oh, beloved, listen. God has placed us in the body as He desires us. And though there may be much criticism of Billy Graham from many, many areas of the world, I've never yet listened to a message by Billy Graham that has not been power-packed with the Spirit of God. Oh, there may be many things that we could object against, but this is always true of every evangelist. Poor Moody suffered tremendously. Billy Sunday suffered terribly. And I just read the article in Newsweek on Billy Graham and my heart broke to read it. Because it just accused him of big moneyism, that's all. Says Billy Graham wouldn't be in New York except for four millionaires. And they quote it and show the men who put the money up to support the programs and say he's a millionaire man. Says so it's all right for him to sit up on a high mountain and for those four big millionaires to sit up there in their homes up in Westchester County and Larchmont. And they're going to do so good for New York City and help them all. This is the gist of the article debasing the man and pulling him down. Yet you and I know Billy Graham, beloved, gets a salary of about $17,000. He doesn't get a penny out of all of that money that comes in. The millions are needed that they get for the broadcast that goes out to the world. But every single man, as we read that portion in John this morning, beloved, Jesus says, they hated me, they're going to hate you. We shouldn't be shocked as Billy Graham preaches and we seek all kinds of criticism in worldly journals and, unfortunately, in branches of the church. Oh, we'll all have disagreements. There are areas I have great reservation in, but not about the message of Billy Graham. The message has been the great source. God has placed him in the body. He has a place. No other man in the world can wrest it from him. Why? Because God placed him there. I was at a breakfast with Billy Graham where he said to me, the thing that has broken my heart most deeply is that brethren who loved me in the Lord five and ten years ago now write articles against me as though I am no longer a brother in Christ. Let me ask you, has God placed you in a certain place in the body? Have you some little gift you can use for God? Oh, listen to me, use it to the utmost. Is it a matter of how big your gift is? I certainly have not Billy Graham's gift, and I praise God for his gift. There's no place in the body of Christ for jealousies We love each other. Remember, that's the whole message of Christ in that chapter we read in John. Love ye one another. This is my commandment. Love each other. You've been placed into the body. Remember, this, you're part of me. Abide in me. Let my words abide in you. Have fellowship with each other. Love each other. And then in Corinthians, God hath made the body of Christ. It's his body. We're members of his body, of his flesh and of his bones. He's placed every member in his proper place. The eye can't say to the ear, I'd rather be the ear. And the foot can't say to the hand, I'd rather be the hand. For God hath decided where he placed them, and God will do the blessing. How we should praise the Lord. May our hearts rejoice in the gospel that God has given us, in the great gospel of our Savior, in the redemption in the blood of Jesus. Are you rejoicing this morning? Fathers and mothers, have I so somehow over the years preached to you in such a fashion that you know that the main course of your life, you're only working to put bread on the table so you can live for God. That's all. If the end of your life is heaven with him and an eternal life with him, then the only reason you're here is to eat the bread God gives you and then to offer yourself to God. Wherefore, present your bodies unto God, a living, holy, acceptable sacrifice, which is your reasonable service. Why? Because God has called you out of darkness into the marvelous light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's made you different than everybody else in the world. He's made you a son of God through the blood of Jesus. He's brought you into the body of Christ and baptized us all by one spirit into one body. And here we are living in Jesus Christ. We are not of the world, Jesus says. He says, I've called you out of the world. You're mine. I've purchased you. We'd better live like purchased possessions. We better get our eyes on Jesus. I'm so afraid that people are garnering up riches, that James says, you've garnered riches to yourself which will judge you in the last days. And here we are in the last days. Oh, God grant that the word of God so goes down deep into your heart that you see why you were born, why you're here. God's making a family for himself for no other reason. Remember that he didn't bring you here to be the most highly educated person in the world, as wonderful as education may be. He didn't bring you here to be the greatest maggot in the world as wonderful as riches might seem. He brought you here if you're redeemed that he might get a family for himself and then wipe out the whole earth and all the heavens and establish you in a heavenly kingdom. Now, that puts logic to life and the reason for living. God placed you in the body. And I want to tell you something. I pray that not one of you are temporal successes at the price of your spirituality. May I repeat that? I pray that not one of the people who hear my voice are temporal successes at the price of their spirituality. For this price is much too much to pay at the judgment seat of Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Now, Father, we thank Thee for Thy blessed word. Lord, we remember that Korah tried to violate Thy divine appointment. There is a branch and many branches of the church today that would violate the appointment of Jesus as the great high priest. They wish to make Jesus a man and a good teacher. That's what they wanted with Aaron. We will respect Aaron, but he need not be the high priest. And in this world today, right within the body, just as then these were religious men, there are those who are seeking to tear down the glorious gospel of our Savior Jesus Christ and remember, Paul says, I am amazed that you are so soon removed to another gospel, which is not another, for there is but one gospel, and that is the gospel of the crucified, risen, and coming again Savior. Now, Father, we're thankful that from this pulpit it sounds out that it's been sounded out all this past week that a myriad of souls have found Christ over television, over radio and right in the garden. We're praying for them. Lord, may their conversion deny all of the terrible, bitter criticisms of men in the church. Help us rather to pray. If thou hast said hereby shall all men know that you are my disciples in that you love one another, then something's wrong. Well love is not exhibited. And it isn't a matter of us agreeing perfectly with any one human being. There never is that perfect agreement. It's a matter of us agreeing on the gospel. And we agree on one thing the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew and to the Gentile. Here we agree. Now touch every heart this morning, Father. We pray that we'll fill the place you've placed us in. If I'm to be a preacher, Lord, may I be hid behind the cross. I don't want any credit for that. Because if there's any preaching to be done, it will have to be done of the Holy Spirit. I don't have within my flesh that which allows preaching in the Spirit. It has to be Holy Spirit preaching. If in the congregation there are those who have special gifts with young people, older people, organization, whatever it may be, business, Lord, use them in that place that you can call them to also. But more than anything, may we say, we've all been baptized by one Spirit into one body. And we're all members, very individual. May everyone here this morning feel I'm a member individual. I'm not some cog in a machine. I'm not a spoke in a wheel. I really am part of the body of Christ. And God has given me some gift. It may be that my great gift is prayer. I love to pray. Well, beloved, if you love to pray, this is a gift. Take it and pray with all your heart. Whatever the gift may be, may we use it well. May none of us be as Korah who sought to displace the appointment of God. Oh, Lord, help us to see with spiritual eyes How in the world today this is exactly what the church is doing. Tear out the pews. Tear out the pulpit. Tear out everything. Let's enjoy ourselves. Let's throw it all aside. Let's forget the Lord's Supper and its emblems. Let's make it a feast. Let's eat. We remember thy curse that descended upon that group that ate in the church at the Lord's table and drank and became drunken. Oh, God, how it seems impossible, yet we're seeing it today, drinking, carousing. Lord, it breaks our hearts to see Protestant and Roman Catholic churches advertising to come to this or come to that affair, a bazaar or a bingo, and the prize is going to be a large basket of whiskey. God, God, how can it be? How can it be? Oh, God, help us to stand fast, to stand fast, and not to waver one iota from the word of God. Feed us upon it. If ye abide in me, Jesus said, and my words abide in you, ask me what you will, and I will do it to you. So, Father, bless us. Gather us close to thyself in Christ's name. Amen.